and and know that uh, well, we just talk about this Wednesday night. Know that uh, when Mary went to see Elizabeth, that something in, it moved something inside of her. And I'm gonna tell you what, y'all, we we do that when we come around one another. I don't know about you guys, but I it, I, I just feel something when I'm around you guys. You may, you guys make a difference in my week and in my life. And so if you don't. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, don't think that you don't. I mean, you never know how the God's going to use you by just showing up, by just being here, by just going there. You never know how it's going to touch someone's life. So I, I do pray that you never get up and say, I don't make a difference. It don't matter if I come or not. It don't matter if I go. I pray you never because you touching lives that you never know. So thank, thank you, guys. But how much better do we feel? Because she came. I mean, I mean, really. I'm not saying that. That I'm just saying if you take the piano out of it, he's great. But ain't it so much better? No offense. It makes a it makes a difference. All right, forty some. I feel like rambling on. Feel like rambling on.
was trying to blame all my ills on this world I was in. Surface relationship used me till I was done in. And all the time someone was waiting to free me from sin. Amen. He was there all the time. Yes. He was there all the time. Waiting patiently in line. He was there all the time. Never again will I look for a fake rainbow's end. Now that I have the answer, my life is just starting to run. Surface relationship is me till I was done in. And oh, what I missed, he's been waiting right there all the time. He was there all the time. Yes. He was there all the time. Waiting patiently in line. He was there all the time. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. young youngins going down there and learn about the Lord. I, I'm sure I'm, sure I'm glad and proud of them that uh, the way the Lord's using them, it touches my heart to see uh, a generation and a generation and a generation coming up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. We're so thankful uh, for the Lord allowing us the opportunity uh, uh, to have uh, seasoned saints for people like me to come alongside of and, and, uh, and to be saints for people like those to come alongside of and godly men and women make godly men and women and we're thankful that the Lord has seen fit uh, to give us an opportunity to have these uh, children. We'll be in the book of John chapter 3 today. Uh, John chapter 3 is where we'll find ourselves at today. Continuing in our um, in our uh, let me just get there right there. So again, uh, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. We'll get into our uh, to our message. Heavenly Father, Lord, again it's an honor, Lord, to be here. Lord, we thank you for being here first and foremost. But we honor you uh, for your presence here today. We honor you for the power that's here today, Lord. We honor you in all that we do. 
and all that you do, Lord, in our lives. Lord, for truly, if you wasn't working and willing in our life, our life would be most miserable. Our life would be uh, meaningless, Lord. So we just thank you uh, for being in our lives. Lord, we thank you for the uh, gifts, callings, talents, abilities. We thank you for the people and the places and the ideas, the thoughts, Lord. We thank you for uh, what we see working and willing in our lives. We thank you for moving in our lives, Lord. And we just pray that you touch this service today, that you touch situations today, Lord, that you touch circumstances today. But more importantly, Lord, that you would touch the heart of the people today, that you would turn back the hearts of the sons and daughters back to the hearts of the Father. For, Lord, truly, if you can change our hearts, Lord, you can change our mind and you can change our life. And we so, Lord, we pray that we don't get this message in our head, but, Lord, we truly get this message in our heart so that it changes the way that we see things, that we feel things, that we do things, uh, that you may work and will in our lives as you see fit. And we ask these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. 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 Last week we talked about the candle of hope and, and that hope that we have. And, and uh, we talked about, you know, I, I can't, uh, again, I said something about Jeremiah this morning. I thought about Jeremiah again. You know, Jeremiah said, there were some times in my life when I thought I wasn't going to make it. There were some people in my life that said some things that were very hurtful and that were very hateful. There were some things that I did in my own life that were hurtful and hateful and didn't help my cause either. Jeremiah said, and, and, uh, and my health began to decline. My feelings were hurt. I was angry a little bit. I was bitter at some times. I was hurt by people, places, idea. And to top that off, I had an enemy and an adversary that was coming against me. And uh, he had a foothold in my life so that every time a little thing helped, uh, happened, uh, he would help it become a great thing in my life. So what was little to most people because the enemy was working uh, against me became great in my life. And he said, but I got to thinking about this thing and the fact that I'm here today gives me hope. The fact that those words uh, couldn't hurt me gives me hope. The fact that I've, I've lived this long life, Jeremiah would say, and, and I may be uh, uh, failing in my health, but I'm not failing in my faith. That gives me hope. He said, I remember these things, and therefore I have hope when I bring these things to remembrance. And he's talking about the hope that a Messiah was coming, that something greater was coming, that another day was coming that would be greater than the thing that he was going through. Remember, we talked about that, that the suffering we go through today is nothing compared to the glory that we're headed to. Uh, the salvation that we, we receive the day that we give our, our life to Christ is nothing like the salvation that we're willing and walking out in our life that we bring to the table uh, again as we come and not forsake the assembling together as a family. Family that we offer uh, one another and that's the hope that we have uh, uh, that light and we talked about that, that hope light flickers uh, but now there's a more prominent light that comes into the picture today there's a more uh, uh, that hope of expectation and anticipation is there as well but this light burns steady and bright this is the light of love of God's love into the world and how he would come into the world and replace uh, uh, not replace the light but complement uh, this light of hope. You know what? This, this light of love is a constant light. It is constant. It is always there. Always there. It is a consistent light. You know, when uh, as, just as clearly as Jeremiah could look at uh, everything going on around him and inside himself and see hope in any situation that you find yourself in, in any place that you find yourself in, in anything that you're going through, that light of love has always shone bright. 
It is always shown bright. You might not have known it. You might not have recognized it. But something in your peripheral vision, something in your background, where well, was a light there. Whether you noticed, whether you give him credit or not, whether you understood what it was or not, it was a consistent light. And I'm going to tell you, it was always calling. It was always flickering. It was always burning. It was always in the background. Every time it was there in your life. If you're a Christian today, you can look back in your life and you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly where it was. You know who was using it. You know how he used it. And you know whose words come alongside, whose notes come alongside, whose hugs come alongside, whose handkerchiefs come alongside. He knows whom he's used to reveal the love of Christ to you. If you're not a Christian today, then you can, or you know someone that's not a Christian, you can point that light out to them. You can show that light. Every season that light was in our life. Every season that light is in our life. Every purpose. The wind can't blow it out. The rain can't douse it. You can't explain it. And unbelief can't undo it. That light is shining bright every day of our life. And you know why? Your unbelief can't undo it. Because you didn't like that light. If you lit the light, you could blow it out. But what God does, no man can do. If God's for you, who can be again? If he opens it, who can close it? If he closes it, who can open it? If he lights it, who can extinguish it? Thank God. Thank God. Because if I lit it, I've got to keep it going. He lights it. It's an eternal flame. It runs from Genesis to Revelation and from Revelation to December 3rd, 1135. It's still, it's still burning. 2022. This light's always shown. It's always been there. And God said in Genesis 1-3, the, the earth was void and without form and God said, let there be light. What he said. And on the fifth day, fourth day, he created the sun and the moon. Let there be light. You know what? God has always done that in our life. He's always looked at our situation, looked at our circumstances, looked at what was coming, looked at what was happening, looked at what was happening, and he said, let there be light before he created the thing that we would need. He said before he created the sun, let there be. He did this in our own life. He looked at everything that was going on in our life, and he said, let there be hope. Let there be love. Let there be joy. Let there be peace. And let there be Christ. He's done this from the foundation of the world. He's brought this into existence. And you know what? He didn't do it for him. He didn't do it for a musical. He didn't do it for dramatics. He did it for you. And he did it for me. Before he made light, he gave me light. Let there be light. <laughs> Ain't that the way he works? Before I met you, I knew you. Before you knew you, I formed you. All of your days numbered. All of your hairs numbered. All of your limbs accounted for. And all of your days are written in my book for me. And all things, that's what he was saying in Colossians. All things I created, you are created, were made by him and for him. For him. 
Its, its radiance of love is seen. Some see it's a light. Some see the shadow. All men get the opportunity because the light uncovers all darkness. The darkest night can't hide it. The brightest lights and the longest days can't eliminate it. For this light that we're talking about, uh, John says in first, uh, chapter 1, verse 3, All things were made by him, without him not was anything made. In him was life, and his life is the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. And John said, I'm not the light, but he is. And he is the true light that lights every man's way that comes into the world. It is the light of love that Jesus Christ brings into this world. And you know what? That light is prominent. It takes precedence. It's complicated and confusing. That, that love is. Love is complicated. It's confusing. Uh, yet it plays one of the most prominent roles in our life. Many studies uh, say that it's one of the greatest needs that we have in our life is to be loved and to feel loved. To be useful. To be significant. To be useful and significant. Ain't that what love is? Love makes you useful. Love makes you significant in each other's life. So they would put it in about third place, but actually the greatest of these things are love. We need it. We want it. We want to get it. Some of us want to get it. But we want to receive it more than we want to give. But there is a need to give it. And there is a need to get it. The Bible tells us that the more of it we give, uh, get, the more of it we should give. We should give. Our greatest desires is to be loved and to feel and to feel loved. You know, love will do almost anything. There ain't much that can hinder and stop love. Love will go to great lengths to reveal itself to you. You've went to great lengths to reveal your love that you have for your kids, for your spouse, for those you date, for those you in fellowship, your family. Prominent place in our lives. Love rarely sits by and don't reveal itself at family dinners and in marriages and at homes. And for those that it do, that when it does sit idly by, those, those marriages fall apart. Those lives fall apart. But if there's love there, love won't hardly let it fall to pieces. <laughs> love won't hardly let go. Love will outlast emotions. It'll outlast hope. It'll outlast feelings. You know, love can see past hurt and to the heart of the matter. How many of you, don't raise your hand, but, but I, I, just in my own life too, I mean, I've been hurt before, but I've seen past that hurt because even though I told them, don't ever do that, don't ever come here, don't ever say that again, I let them back in. I let them come back. I let them say that. I helped them one more time. Not because I knew that they was changed this time or that they were different this time or that they wasn't going to do right this time, but because I'm great, because I love them. I didn't allow them to use me as a doormat again, but I did allow them to use me. But you know what happened? I prayed about it, and I didn't allow them to use me. 
I allowed him to use me. Right. And you know what? He didn't say, let them step on you. Get behind me, Satan. You know what manner, you know not what manner of spirit you're from. But we gotta show love. We gotta show love. And I can see past the hurt and see the heart. You know, love can get you past that anger. I know a lot of people that are angry and bitter. And they can't get past it. And they can't get over it. And they can't get around it. And every time, uh, you know what? You know what that is, though? That's emotion. That's emotion getting the best of you. That's the enemy using emotion to, out, to, to counter your love, what God's given you in your life, your love. Love holds on. I'm going to tell you, and this is not bad. Love holds on to separation. Love remembers when you're separated from your spouses. Love remembers that. Love holds on to that dear just like it was yesterday. Love holds on to your family members once they're gone. Because they remember it just like it was yesterday. Love holds on to family. It does. You know, Christmas is past and Easter's past and wedding days and this, that, and the other. You don't remember those, but love does allow you to remember a lot of more things about those that you're separated from. Love take 43 years of Luther Melinda and, and hope and love along beside each other. You know what it does? It wants you to have 40 more. It does. It takes this and makes it worth it. It does. I'm telling you what, there's nothing like love. Nothing like it. And we'll talk about joy next week, but now I'm talking about love today. It holds on. But Luther, Luther, Luther. But love is elusive and it disguises itself and it takes on many forms because you can love the hot dog like you love the beagle. You know, it takes on many different forms. Some people would uh, find themselves in an affair or an adulterous relationship and you would ask them why they would did it. Uh, the preacher would say it was because of a sinful behavior or lust of the flesh and the desires that they had. And he would say it was because I loved her. Love takes on many different disguises. Do we love the movie or love the memory? We're watching a thing on Netflix right now. I'm going to tell you that's love the devil. Oh, we've been binge watching this bad boy for about a week now. Oh, it is not an ugly show either. It's, it's PG rated. I'm just saying it has. I, I, I can't wait to find out what happens. I, I, mean, I love it. Or do, or do I love the memory? I got thinking about that. You know, how, how often does the Lord do the same thing? He's the, he's the director. He knows what's happening. How many angels are in heaven saying, I can't wait to see what happens in their life. I can't wait to see the end of this thing. I know it's been tough. I know it's been hard. But there's hope. And you know what? The director, and I'll tell you what, I hope that the one that looks like it, anyway, loving this thing. You yeah. know? Then you try to explain love. Like I said, I did it because I love her. Or, or uh, you know, I, I, I'll buy grace in anything, not because, uh, it, it, and that's really irresponsible, but it's out of love. But it's more irresponsible. The spouse stays in the abuse because of love. The man stays in the affair because he says he loves. The parent gives the child everything because they say they love them. Everyone longs to be loved. Everyone needs to be loved. But everybody don't know what they want when it comes to love. 
They don't understand it. And almost always, you can see this in our own day and time, and I've seen it in my own life. Relationships are never complete until this relationship is found. It never is. Until I love him, I don't know how to love her. I tried it in many different relationships throughout middle school, high school, and my teenage years. And until this relationship was formed, that relationship was never developed right. Emptiness is only bandaged until he heals it and feels it. Depression, you only control it, but love can conquer it. And we ourselves don't know what we need until we find it. But the good news is, is that there's a light shining. There's a light in the background. There's a light in your peripheral vision. And it's catching your attention all throughout your life. And it'll always catch your attention. You know, love is prominent in our lives. Love is personal. Listen to what he tells us in John chapter 3 and verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher from God. For no man can do these miracles and that you do except God be with him. Love is personal. You know, Nicodemus is sitting there. He's waiting. Uh, he knows all the rules. He knows all the ordinances. He knows the laws. He knows the principles. He knows about God. He knows uh, uh, how to... Be ready for God and appease God. Yet something is still missing. Something is still missing in his life. And I would say that today. What's missing in your life? Knowing uh, is it? How about talking to God? How about hearing from heaven to come down in your life? One word changing everything about going on in your life. How about touching God? That's what Christmas is about, ain't it? Heralding good good news towards men. Hearing God. Mary, did you ever realize that not only would God touch your life, but that you would touch God? God in the flesh dwelt among us, taking on the form of a servant, becoming obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. God, as you, crucified, <clears throat> rose again, ascended, now in you. Touching God. That desire has been there since the dawn of time. That desire has always been in us. When you think about Genesis' story, that's how God wanted it to be. What do we see when we see the first uh, instance of God? He's walking and talking with us. Walking in the cool of the day, talking to us. When they enjoy, and you know what? Enjoying our relationship, laughing cutting up, whatever, partaking, obeying, enjoying relationship. One mess up goes to this. Now he's calling you. Adam, where are you? Adam, Adam, come here, Adam. You're hiding, I'm not. Adam, where are you? Not to mention the touch of God when he formed him. Everything out there, he says, let there be. Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. And it was good. And then he knelt down and he took the dust of the earth and he formed man in his own image and likeness and said, that is very good. Very good. Touched you. 
Touched nothing else in creation. He hadn't touched anything else but us. And that's where this emptiness comes in. That's where that longing comes in to be touched by the very thing that's touched you. Paul said, I can't wait to try to comprehend, uh, to apprehend that which apprehended me. That's New Testament saying for touching what's touched you. Touching what's touched you. You ever felt something, enjoyed it, and wanted it back? Some things too much. Some things too little. Touching the thing. He did it in our own life. He has talked to us. He has called us. Jeff, where are you? Jeff, I'm with you. Jeff, where are you? Jeff, I'm with you. Touch me. Feel that emptiness that I had. Feel that void. Feel that F-E-E-L and F-I-L-L. I feel him and he's filled me. What about that? What about that? And he wants that in you today. Nicodemus is sitting here waiting in the dark. So nobody will know. Nobody will see. Waiting in a dark place to go see the light. The light of the world. The light of men. How many of you are sitting in a dark place in some areas in our life? And I'm going to tell you something else too. He goes to, and you know what? Jesus is waiting on him. He's waiting to go see Jesus and Jesus is equally just as waiting on him. Nicodemus gets up and he says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher. They can't nobody do the things you're doing. They can't nobody teach like you, preach like you, miracle like you, walk like you, talk like you, work like you, do the things that you do. You must be a man of God. And he didn't say, good Nicodemus, because they ain't nobody studied like you and, and lawed like you and wrote like you and directed like you. He didn't say that at all. He said, there's one, ain't nobody like you, Lord. He said, listen, unless you're born again, you'll never know what I know, see what I see, do what I do. You can't do it. He didn't give him all Nicodemus's credentials. He said, there's one thing that's wrong with you, Nicodemus. You got to be born again. You got to be born again. What are you waiting on? He's expecting you. How do I know? Because he deals with the biggest issue of Nicodemus's life. You got to be born again. Oh, don't marvel, verse 7, Nicodemus. Don't marvel at what I just said. Verse 6, that which is born of flesh and that which is born of spirit of spirit. Verse 7, marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. Don't marvel about that, Nicodemus. You got about as much to do with this as your first birth does. How much did you have to do with your first birth? About that much. Who did, when, when, when Jared was born, did the doctor say, good job, Jared? He had, had no idea what his name was. It was the parents that produced. You got about as much to do with it as your first person, Nicodemus. Newborns are born in the womb. New hearts are created in heaven. How can this be? And the light is noticed again. How can this be? I've heard just two other places in the scriptures here lately. How can this be? Zechariah said, how can this be? We're old, well-stricken in years. There's the Christmas story coming out in it. Mary said, how can this be? I, I've never known a man. 
And he looks at Nicodemus and he says, you must be born again. How can this be? How can this be? For the power of the Holy Ghost, that which is born of the flesh is of the flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is of the Spirit. This is how he would tell Zechariah and how he would tell Mary, for the power of the Holy Ghost shall overcome you. It shall overtake you, and that thing which is inside of you is called the Son of God. Amen. How many of you know that we don't have an over, overpowering of the Spirit or an overshadowing of the Spirit, but that thing which is in you is the Son of the living God. Yeah. That this thing that is walking and working, don't ever think that you're insignificant and that you don't matter and that you don't need to come. We are God's body coming together. That thing in you is the Holy Spirit. It is God in the flesh. You are carrying around in your life. A do-over, Nicodemus. Ain't you glad we had a second chance? Aren't you glad we had a, 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 a do-over, a second birth? If you've not had the second birth, he says right here, except you've been born again, you won't see the kingdom of God. Amen. I hope that you've had a second birth today. Nothing wrong with your first birth because without it, you couldn't have your second birth. Second birth. How can this be? Well, the one who did it the first time has to do it this time as well. The one that formed you and made you in the womb, he's got to form you and make you today. And then you get on the sincere milk of the word and then you get on the meat of the word and we come alongside one another and we grow up in the grace and we just as he did. And he grew and waxed strong in the spirit. We come in here on Thursday nights and we work out with Susan. We come in here on Sunday morning and we work out with Jeff. What about Tuesdays and Thursdays? Are you working out at the house? Is your inward man getting as strong as your outward man? I pray it is. Because we don't, I'm not fighting flesh and blood. I got to take a lick in the spirit. I need my spirit stronger than my muscles because you know what? I, I might can take a punch in the flesh, but I got to be able to take a punch in the spirit. When he gets a foothold in there and kicks me, I can't stay down long. I can't stay down long. It's a dangerous place to be down. It's dangerous to be down. It's dangerous to be depressed. It's dangerous to doubt and worry. It's dangerous to wonder if he loves you when that life's been since the day one. How can this be? How can this be? Well, he tells us in 3.16, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How can this be? It's so personal. For God so loved the world. Well, you say the world's everybody. How is that personal? Because he gave his son. He is. That's how personal it is. He gave his son. He gave his son. When sin entered in, when sin entered in from the foundation of the world, so did his plan. There's no other way. Is there? Is there any other way to the Father except through the Son? Put yourself in that position. Golly, how am I going to get them here? Well, you got to give your son. Yikes. Yikes. Is there another way? There is no other way. <coughs> there is no other way. 
The son for sin. The son for sin. The servant for salvation. There's no other way. And his love for you was so personal that the Bible says that God gave his son. And I'm going to tell you what happened then. Love became passionate. Because not only did God give his son, the son gave himself. <coughs> the son gave himself. I want you to look at something. And we're, I'm going to come, come to a close on this. Let me look at this right here. Bible says that the Son went to the cross for us. We talked about there's power in the blood. There is power in the blood. He was the lamb slain, laid down his life willingly. No man takes my life. I lay it down. I give it a sacrifice. A sacrifice. Lamb slain. Picture with me. Beaten and bruised, battered, bloody, tortured, spit on, cursed, Naked in front of his mama. Naked in front of the world. My son. Mama crying in the crowd. Crowd cursing him. Spitting on him. Two criminals. Cursing him. Cursing him. Cursing him. Cursing him. Then one finally comes to his sense and says, remember me. You know what I said? Oh, don't you worry, buddy. Don't you worry. I got you. I'll remember you. Don't you worry. He didn't do that. He said, I will, today you will be with me. Yeah. I wouldn't have given a hundred dollars for none of them people down there cursing me like that. And he gave his son. He gave his son. Horrible. Amen. Terrible. Evil. Horrific. Unbelievable. And you know what Acts 1 3 says? This is, this is, that's what we see. This is what Christ saw. From the cross. To whom he also showed himself. After he uh, rose from the dead. And he also showed himself alive after his passion. That is love in its rawest form of demonstration. That is love manifest. Passion. Passionate about your spouse. Passionate about your kids. And it says after his passion. He didn't say after this horrible accident. After the evil that was done to me. After I was naked and abused and bruised before my parents. He didn't say none of that. He said, after the passion that I had for you. And many infallible proofs being seen 40 days pertaining to the kingdom of God. Love is passionate on the cross in front of everybody. Passion. Love's greatest manifestation. Parents mimic it. Marriages uh, shadow it. Relationships diminish it. But Christ reveals it. Love like no other. Love like nothing you've ever seen in your life. Love like nothing you've ever felt in your life. And the Father gave the Son. And the Son gave Himself. Now God, you was expensive, wasn't you? I was expensive, you know it. But I'm going to tell you, one drop of it to get me into heaven and one drop of it and, and denying a drop of it to put me in hell. One will save me, one will separate me. One drop, prosperous. Love is prosperous. So were you. He gave his son for you, though. The most expensive thing that he had. How expensive is your love? Father, I hope we don't make our love so expensive that nobody will, will, will come because it costs too much to love you. Because I'm going to tell you, that price has been paid in full. That price is paid in full.
serious thing except the blood eternal life denied eternal separation he gave his only son he gave his only son love is powerful you know what love does it makes me go love makes me go again love makes me give and love makes me give again love makes me wonder but it also makes me understand that hope is there as well maybe today is the day maybe this is the time maybe this is the one maybe this is the way love makes me hold on to that hope does it not does not does it not give you muscles to hold on to the hope that's out there for the hope that's in them the hope that what I've seen in them and in him now abides in you. Ain't that what love does? It makes me see something in you, Timothy, that I've seen something in them. It makes me see something in you, Grayson, that I've seen something in them. Ain't that what love does? Love hopes against hope, and it steps out in front of hope, and it says, because I love you, I'll do this. Because I love you, I'll give. Because I love you, I'll go. And because I love you, I'll hold on. And you know how I know this happens? Because he stood up one day and he said, I, I got hope. I, because I love you, I'll go. Because I love you, I'll step out. Because I love you, I will give my son. And you know what Jesus said? Because I love him, I'll hold on. Amen. He made the nails. He made the tree. He didn't hold it. He, it didn't hold him. He held it. And refused to come down. And they cursed him and he said, forgive you. And they said, remember me. And he said, I will. And he said, I'll do it for you. And he did it. For us. I'm going to tell you what. It don't get no better than that folks. It don't get no better than that. He held on to it. Why? So that whosoever believes in him. Should not perish. But have everlasting life. The Bible says on the cross. The earthquake. And sun refused. The sun turned its head. And refused to shine. But the light never went out. The light held on. The light still shone. Stone was rolled away. And Matthew says this. A great light come from its countenance. Um, Christ ascended alive and well on the third day. I wonder if Nicodemus thought to himself. I didn't know he would start with himself. And be born again himself. But I'm going to tell you something. The Lord don't ask you to do anything that he ain't already done. But be not worried. Be not fearful. I've already overcome these things. We're following him. We're not leading him. We'll talk about that Wednesday night. If you want to know what that looks like, come Wednesday night. We're going to talk about what happens when you get in the lead. It's not a good place to be. Following him. Huh. I don't even know what that says. Love is the greatest, Paul would say. Christ would say love is the greatest. And love is plentiful. The Bible tells us that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. He wants to love you. He wants to love. He has love for you. He has love to you. And then he says love your neighbor. I'm going to tell you, so this is what happened. Love fills you up. It fills your heart. It fills your soul. It gets in your mind. It gets in your strength. It fills you up and you're running over and bubbling over. And you know what happens? He says, not only do I want to have love to you, I want to have love through you. So go love them and love him and love her and love her and love them and love him. Have love. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love is plentiful. You'd have an easier time going up here to Show Creek with a communion cup and emptying the water out of it before you will empty the love of God has for you. 
It's easier to, to empty the kusa with a communion cup than it is to empty his love. It's just, it's just too much to do. And we think that he did it on the cross, but I'm going to tell you what, and we'll close with this. And we think that the cross is the perfect demonstration of love, and it is. It is a demonstration of love. But how much more does he love you when he knows the cross is coming and he put his child in the cave in Bethlehem? It's okay, it'd be different. He's 70 years old. Go be crucified. No. Babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. He handed over his son. Not his son at 33. Not his son at 83. But his son born in a manger. Knowing what's going to happen. And he did it anyway. And he did it anyway. It's okay to give that son that's 40 years old that ain't never come and ain't done nothing but hurt you. Yeah, he can go. Sacrifice him. What about the one that ain't done nothing to nobody? What about your firstborn, your only begotten son? True love is demonstrated on the cross, but the father demonstrated it in the cave when he said, here, here he is. And he gave his only begotten son. That's what it said. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. <clears throat> that whosoever believes in him should not perish. And I know he wants to work through me because verse 17 says he didn't send him here to condemn him. He sent him so that through him the world might be saved. He, wants, he has love to you. And he wants to love through you. As Brother Chris comes, as we stand. Brother Chris comes, Mr. Marie comes. I know he's loved you. I know he loves you. You know he loves you. He has love to you. How's the love through you working? Have you thought about how much you cost? And how expensive your, your love was? The Bible says that it wasn't that we loved him. It was that he loved us. Amen. That he loved us. The light's always been shining. I want you to think about the love of Christ today. I want you to think about the leadership of Christ in your life. I want you to think about how much he's filled your heart, soul, mind, and strength with that love. I want you to think about how, how many lives you've touched with the love of Christ. There's no scoreboard. I'm not keeping a record. Love don't keep a record of wrongs. What's that? I'm just asking